Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Dante! Sorry, this is what Sydney jokes. Sydney, are you, are you getting thrown right under the bus right away? I take the time to do the rundown. Hey, what happened, uh, Dante? What happened in the Mile High City last night? Are you referring to the Rockies' big win? <laughs> yeah, the Rockies' big win. Yeah. Turn the season around. Yeah, <laughs> turn the season around. That was the Taylor Swift show. Open. Tim McGraw by my girl, T. Swift. That's what it says on the open. I, I tried, but Sydney just didn't want to. <laughs> Sydney, did you muscle your way in there? We're supposed to open with Taylor Swift, man. It's a big event. Dan, I love Taylor Swift. I'm I was sure begging do. to play Taylor Swift, and Sydney was like, nope, we have to play that other song we just played. Uh, welcome to the Dan Jacobs Show. I'm excited, man. What a day. What a week. Spent the week filling in with uh, Darren D. Mac McKee on the drive. It was fun. It was a great time. Thank you to, well, I guess, Raj Sharon. He's the big boss. Thank you for uh, letting me do that, Raj. Uh, now I return to my roots. To my people, my peeps, here on the Dan Jacobs Show on the weekend. We'll be here with you for the next three hours today and then tomorrow, 10 to 1, on the Easy Like Sunday Morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. I'm so excited to be back with you guys here where we get to do it the way we do it. So much to get to. But, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened there. Two big events. Uh, actually, another event, too, going on. I do want to talk about this real quick. I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think uh, I want to pay a little homage to it. The Mile High Nationals as well, going out in style um, over at Bandemir Speedway. This is the final Mile High Nationals, something that was a, very, a deep fabric, a part of my youth. Went out there all the time. Uh, my grandfather, or step-grandfather, whatever you want to call it, was an executive for Champion Spark plugs at first um and then ngk spark plug so he would get us pit passes and all this stuff and we went out there every year and it was it was just something that i really looked forward to as a little kid and it was one of those events that was really cool because yeah you could buy pit passes and go sit go up to the i well i guess you, you know the competitors i guess is what you would call it right and go right up to them and the cars and really get to talk to the people and the mechanics and the pit crews and everything, and then you go watch them race. Man, it was something really, really cool, something um, that I'll just always remember. I was always fond of in my, um, you know, childhood, and, and, you know, times change and things move on, and that's a prime piece of real estate out there. I can't, can't blame the old, uh, assuming it's the Bandemir family that still owns it. They, they're moving on to new opportunities. I, I believe when they announced the sale, or the uh, whatever is going on that the they may look for some other property somewhere to do a track somewhere else. But uh, as for now, the final Mile High Nationals at Bandemir Speedway. Mount friend Ronnie Court, by the way, that was cool. Like you see people's journeys and you root for people. Ronnie Court was my uh, one of my producers over at another station, and he got his yeah he caught a dream. He got to become the full time. Uh, track announcer and marketing guy over at Bandemir Speedway. And so for the last several, four or five years, he was able to do that. And so I don't know what the next journey is for him, but I'm sure this is a big day for him. So, Ronnie, good. Um, hope you have a great weekend out there as well. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. But, man, Mile High City, what a um, what a what a weekend 
I did have a little bet going with, uh, by the way, Sydney Cora, how are you? You got your Yankees hat on. Yes, I'm going to the game tomorrow. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, and I was I was down at Bandemere as well. Really? Tell me day. about it. Um, it's so cool down there. I can't believe that, you know, it's the last show. Um, but I went down there with Kurt Hansen, who is the host of Race Central on ESPN's on Friday. Yes. Um, ESPN's on ESPN on Fridays. Correct. And um, we just did some interviews. I got to talk to Leah Pruitt uh, and Matt Hagen because mm-hmm. um, I think they're with I'm, racing fans will hate me, but I think they're with Dodger or I, I don't know what car company they're with. Sure. But they are the sponsor of the event. So those were the only two racers that came out to media day. But then I got to uh, go down actually on the, like the road, the track, yeah, yeah. On the track, and I got to do like a run with Leah Pruitt in the the Hellcat. Wow! Yeah, it was crazy. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it was sick. Yeah. So it was really cool down there, and I think I'm going to go down there tonight and see the races. Very, very. Yeah. That's not, that's awesome. It's like what I was talking about. It's a cool experience because it's interactive. It'd be like going. Obviously, it's you know not as famous or whatever, but like, going, can you imagine going to the NBA Finals and be like, yeah, I'm just going to go on the court and do shoot around with Jamal Murray? Like, yeah. it never happened. <laughs> but like, I literally, so like one of the biggest guys ever was a guy named Big Daddy Don Garlitz, right? Oh. Um, the Probably the, the biggest drag racer of all time. Like, literally one time I went up to him, because back then, in those days, every pit you would stop by, they would have big, giant, you know, um, uh, cards, like, you know, probably, I don't know, dimensions, but a big you know, poster card you could grab. And if you saw somebody, you can get an autograph. I went right up to him while he's being pushed to or driving to the gate. And I said, can I get an autograph? And they're like, give me the autograph. He gave me an autograph, strapped in, helmet, gloves, driving to, boom, he gave me. I mean, you can't do that anywhere else. I mean, it was fantastic. It was awesome. So, yeah, I would, I would sell that place out if it's, if it's not already. Get down there. Get down there today. Go down there right now. Walk around the pits. Do whatever, man. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think the races go until about 7 p.m. Um, at least that's yeah. what I was told by, by Kurt Hansen. So, if there's any if there's a time to go down there, it would be today and tomorrow. Yeah. So. It was cool. So, a little peek behind the curtain. My old job you know, as the executive producer here was always managing all the relationships in town and this and that. And there was an engineer over. So we would always have to do press conferences and, and remotes over at the Pepsi. That used to be the Pepsi Center. Now it's Ball Arena. And whoever, there were some relationships that had gone sour. They'd gone sideways. And I was trying to fix it. And you had to, you know, there were some engineers. Uh, there was an engineer that wanted, you know. And I'd always have to try and, like, I was trying to fix the relationship. And so finally somebody said, you know, Dan, this guy loves Mile High Nationals. Is there any way you can get him some tickets to Mile High Nationals? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's what it's, it's going to take? I will hook this dude up. And so I did the full VIB packages, the pit passes. I, I called I, everything, wind and dine this guy, Full package, and every year when I knew the Mile High Nationals were coming to town, I just call the guy up like, "You want them? You want the four pack? You want? You want?" Dan. From that on, it was a pleasure. Anything we needed, it was fantastic. And that's all it took was the Mile High Nationals. That's how people love this event. So a little sad to see it go. I don't know if we'll come back in another form. Did you hear anything about that while you're out there? 
Um, is that just something that maybe we'll hear about in the future? Um, yeah, no, no news on that. But um, I there's actually I actually do a podcast with Kurt Hansen. It's called Race Central Unplugged. Yep. And uh, he he knows these things. Um, so every week I always ask him, is there any news? Is there any news? So as soon as there is news about what they're going to do, he likes to say he thinks that they're going to sell the property and build apartment complexes there. Sure. Um, but we don't know if they're going to do something elsewhere. But I really hope they do. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, there's land. You know, heck, go out. Uh, you know, go out to a little bit east on my side of town. Yeah. You know, go to Watkins. Uh, that part of town. I live on the Aurora, Kansas border. We, we'll do something out there. So, yeah, I love, you know, by the way, Kurt Hansen's my guy. Love, love, love Kurt. Uh, man, yeah, what a great, um, what an exciting time. Taylor Swift, you got the Yankees in town. So, you're going to the Yankees game. I, I So, who was it that was, uh, I was hosting with DMAC all week. It was KJ and DMAC were, were trying to, they had like their little prices right, showcase showdown bet over how many fans would be going to the games each night. And I think KJ said like 42,000 and DMAC said, I'll go with 43. I'm like, no, no, I'm going over. Absolutely over. And yeah, last night I think it was 47,000. I can't imagine it won't be as good or better tonight. So yeah. And it, now one of you guys behind the glass was saying, man, it was, 70, 80 bucks now to get in. Like we were throughout the week looking, it was 38 bucks, not including fees. But yeah, but I mean, isn't it funny? We're talking about a grand plus to go to Taylor Swift, and now people are thumbing their noses at, you know, dropping a C note to go see the Yankees. It's kind of funny, you know, with fees. You know, it's 90 bucks. To me, I'd be like, oh, of course, which will be a topic we're going to talk about uh, about 1220. Not can you, because you can. You can buy happiness, but should you buy happiness? Because this was featured prominently for a couple of days on the drive. And it was a fascinating, I'm going to share the story, but it was a fascinating thing. I So I was kind of a fly on the wall. I don't hang out with the drive crew all the time. This is my home. This is my bat cave. I come in on the weekends. I have a great time with you guys, and it's fantastic. Otherwise, I'm in the you know palatial 303 Law 4040 offices over on Arapahoe and I-25, right? That's where I spend my time during the week, and I come in here with you guys on the weekend, and that's fantastic. So I was kind of a fly on the wall in observing you know during breaks and pre-show meetings this dynamic that's going on with the drive crew, and it was absolutely awesome. And I got to see this situation unfold in relation to the Taylor Swift concert over the course of two days, and I have to tell you, it was absolutely fascinating uh, in regards to both Drew Spivak, who's the executive producer of the station here, and Richie Carney, who's his boss and who's the um, associate program director. Uh, it was really a fascinating thing. We're going to talk about that in the second hour of the show. And so that's a little tease as to how we're going to uh, discuss this thing. Should you... By happiness. Now, Corey, uh, I say Corey, Sydney, Cora, if I ask you that, what's your initial response? Should you buy happiness? If you have the ability, should you buy happiness? Are you asking me that? I'm asking you that. What's your initial response? If I put that to you. I don't think it's possible to buy happiness. Well, I'm saying it is. Oh, then yeah, I'd buy it. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. It's interesting. This, this. Uh, by the way, check out Will Peterson, Scrappy Will Peterson. We will, we will get 
his full recap tomorrow on the show at 1120, Scrappy Will Peterson, because he apparently bought every ticket in the city. Apparently, somehow he had no problem. Well, it's no surprise. Scrappy Will had no problems getting his hands on tickets. He's got all sorts of connections. He's, you know, he's apparently Kent Denver family royalty. So he, uh, you know, he, he was there last night. Go to his uh, Twitter feed. What is this Twitter feed, by the way? I just see it on my Twitter. Let's, let's look it up. It is. Oh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Because he's got one that has got like a million views. At Peterson Will. Two L's on uh, Twitter. So check him out because he's got some uh, shots from last night. Um, so it's funny. You got the Yankees in town. You got uh, Taylor Swift. We're talking about it on the drive all week. Uh, here's a funny thing now. So I shaved the beard. This is like this weird circle. So you got Matt Smith, who was filling in for um, Stokely Zach yesterday. We're doing the crosstalk. This is mind-blowing. Will Smith, who's the oldest 30-year-old in history, is actually three years younger than Taylor Swift, who's 33. So, so Will Smith is 30, going on 60. He's younger than Taylor Swift, who's 33. And now that I've shaved the beard, I actually look younger than Taylor Swift. Did you notice that? You didn't even notice me at first, Sydney, did you? I do. I, I noticed right away. You were like, well, you didn't, you're like, is that, who is that? That young man. You, you, <laughs> I'm 15 years younger now. Right? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know it was you until you sat down at that microphone. Exactly. And I was like, oh, that must be Dan. That's, is that Dan or is that yeah. Dan's son? Yeah. Right? That's what you thought? Yeah. Yeah. So I, now I look younger than Taylor Swift. And so it's this weird six degrees of you know separation, whatever it is. So it's this weird uh, thing we got going on here. Um, so uh, it was a big thing last night. And then show number two tonight. It may going, by the way. Anybody going tonight? That'll be interesting. I know Jake Shapiro had a fun story. Like Jake Shapiro had to shuttle six of his, both his fiance and her, and five of her friends. And then I guess he just went and hung out at Meow Wolf and then went and picked them up afterwards. So that was kind of funny. Uh, but coming up next, we'll also get into this uh, conversation with uh, James Merrillat as far as, now it's, it's a little hard with James Merrillat because he's, been doing it all of his life, the whole buying happiness thing, because, you know, money's no object to him. But we'll still try and get his perspective on it. I've missed James this week, by the way. You know, I was uh, hanging out here at the station all week, hanging out on the drive, and James is gone. He's out. Enjoying life. I think it was in Lake Havasu, and he's making his way out now. I think he's in some tournament out of town. We'll talk to him next, though. It's James Merrillat from DenverSports.com joining us next. He said the way my blue eyes shine those Georgia stars to shame that night. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Just Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on trip. Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Band. James, sing it, James. That's an old school Taylor Swift. That's back when she was a country artist. I know. That, all I know is the old stuff. Shockingly. That's a, that's a good one. That's a little bit back in the uh, era of uh, teardrops on my guitar. Kind of the same uh, same genre for her. Yeah, I loved I That's one of my all-time favorite moments, man. When she just walks up to Tim McGraw right in front of his wife and drops her game right on his lap. And Faith Hill is just dropping daggers with her eyeballs right at Taylor Swift, man. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Oh, she's a she's an unbelievably talented artist, though. She's like 
say what you will about Taylor Swift, but she's, I mean, she writes her own stuff. She plays her own stuff. She's an amazing singer, amazing performer. So uh, I'm, I'm nothing but a fan, Dan. Oh, I love it. And, you know, it's kind of funny, these uh, trolls that she's going to put what? Somebody said, oh, she's going to generate a billion dollars for the economy. No, it's more like a. Like, they're saying 200 million this weekend in Denver. So it's got to be, I don't know, a trillion dollars. But the, but she can't. But she's irresponsible for taking a private plane. Like, come on, guys. Where are we going with this? Come on. Drives me crazy. Wait, people were actually saying that about her? Oh, do you know the environmental harm she is creating by taking a private plane? That's irresponsible. She shouldn't be able to do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, the next time I see uh, Taylor Swift sitting back and coach on a Southwest flight with me, we'll I'll be uh, we'll, we'll be the first. So, listen, I, I'm not going to necessarily get into that debate with people, but uh, do we have bigger fish to fry? Yeah, we uh, we definitely do. So that, that that's something I don't uh, spend my uh, my nights lying awake staring at the ceiling worried about. Well, here is the debate, though, and this is a little hard for you because you're a man of means. You you know you have the the Maryland family empire, but <laughs> I know you've enjoyed yourself. You had a good ride. We we live vicariously through you, so I know probably where you're coming from on this, but not irresponsibly. Not a, you know I'm not talking about living outside your means. But let's just say you have the means, and I'll talk about in general, not you specifically, James, but if you can do something, like like we had a, a, a couple of um, teammates here at the fan that wa- really wanted to go, but they got in their own heads about the Taylor Swift thing. They talked themselves out of it. But let's say it's the Yankee game, or last year it was with me you know, going to the Stanley Cup Finals. If you have the opportunity to do something that makes you happy, should you do it? Now, I'm not saying you rack up a credit card bill that you can't afford to pay off and then your kids don't eat or things like that. But do you owe it to yourself to buy yourself the happiness if you have the means, James? Yeah. Um, far be it for me to tell anybody what to do with their money. I mean, you know, and everybody uses or spends money in a different way, right? Like some people, it's experiences. Uh, so that could be going to a game or a really nice meal or whatever. Some people see that as wasteful because you don't have anything tangible to show afterward like to each their own so if you can afford to do it and you want to go then then go yeah good good for you so you know i i spent probably more than i should have to take my three boys to an nba finals game because i was thinking when's the next time they're gonna, the nuggets are going to be in, in the nba finals it never has happened in my life i'm about to turn 50 so i'm going to go ahead and splurge on this i went to super bowl 48 but I did not go to Super Bowl 50, even though I was out in San Francisco covering the game because I couldn't get myself to spend the money again after 48 was such a terrible experience, the only sporting event I've ever been to where I did not cheer one single time. So, you know, it, it just depends on the, the moment, the opportunity, but I'm all about experiences. I think, you know, and I, I try to do this at least with uh, with my kids. Of so, You know, I know my job is to, you know, make sure they get an education and they learn responsibility and work ethic and all those lessons, but to some extent, you're also a memory builder. So um, if you can uh, if you can do those things and create those things, go for it. I'm I'm on board. I'm on I'm on team experience. So are are you glad you didn't? Are you glad you didn't go to Super Bowl Fifty? Was that is that is that a source of happiness for you? The fact you didn't go to Super Bowl Fifty. Well, when I ended up winning it, I was like, geez, hanging out. If I could have traded them, I would have traded forty eight for fifty. But it wound up being fun. I was at my mom and dad's house, which I, where I've watched, you know. She's practically every Broncos road game, road game since 1984 or five. 
Um, and so I was with family and friends and had a good time. So no, it was, it was great. You know, I would have been by myself or maybe with one other person versus, you know, hanging out with everybody and we all couldn't go to the game. couldn't get, you know, 20 tickets. So it was, uh, it was fun experience either way. You can, you can make the most of it, whichever direction you go. Now there's really not a way to make an experience out of Taylor Swift last night. You're either ponying up for the tickets or you're, uh, or you're not. But, uh, for those who wanted to do it, Great. My Facebook, and I'm sure yours was too, Dan, was filled with people, you know, getting ready to go and them and their daughter or whatever. And um, tickets, uh, photos from the concert, they look like they had a great time. I tip my cap. Good for them. Here's here's what I'm honing in on what you said, though. You said, so when you t- went to the Nuggets game, you spent more money than you probably should have. Why, why would, what does that mean? Like, why was it more than you probably should have? Well, so you're in your own I head. Mean, you're, you're in your own head. Yeah, to some extent. Was it you worth know, it? You, and, and I went to the only game they lost in the entire playoffs at home, so that that probably changes it. If Jamal Murray hits that shot, and it's probably the greatest moment in Nuggets history, I mean, just single moment, it would have been worth every single penny. You know, when you're walking out of the arena and you're upset because it's a one, now 1-1 one, one series, you, you rethink it. But, you know, you do start to think about, well, what could we have done with, with, the, with those dollars? I will say this, and, you know, the – the bigger the amount of money, the longer this period of time takes. But for the most part, you get three, four, five, ten years down the road. You never remember the money. You don't know what you would have done without it. Whatever you would have done with it instead would have been fleeting and gone anyway. And my boys and I will remember that experience and we'll joke about the fact that we were at the only loss and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it was a I'm not going to miss a mortgage payment. You know, they're not going to have to miss college. We're not going to not be able to eat. So I guess to some extent saying it's more money than I should have spent is, uh, is inaccurate and unfair. So you're, you're, you're right. Way, way to call me out, Dan. I appreciate it. I, I just, I just think about all those great Americans that on their deathbeds, they said, you know, I just wish, and when, it, now that it's all said and done, I wish I would have paid more bills. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very much with you. My, my goal is, uh, you know, to, to finish it up with about a dollar in the bank. Yeah. Um, here's another interesting philosophical question. Can you win the po- comeback comeback player of the year without playing? Comeback player of the year without playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I missed, I didn't hear earlier in the show when you set this up. I know. I was our, So if DeVar, De, DeVar Hamlin comes back next year and uh, just steps onto the field, and let's and here's the argument that I was having with DMAC. Russell Wilson comes back. Now he wasn't injured, but he comes back, plays out of his mind, and let's say he gets him to the AFC championship game or wins a Super Bowl, whatever context it would take for him to be in the running. And DeVar Hamlin just comes back and steps onto the field. Does DeVar Hamlin Russell, win by default? No, Russell, Russell Wilson should win. And the DeMar Hamlin thing would be a great story and it's an amazing accomplishment. The fact that the guy is even contemplating or attempting to play again is incredible to me. I mean, we all remember that moment. It wasn't that long ago. And so it's, that is mind boggling, but no, you have to come back and play. You have to come back and play well. You have to come back and and do something. Now, if he plays the whole year in Buffalo and he doesn't need to lead the league in interceptions or anything like that, but if he comes back and he plays the whole season or plays 13, 14 games or whatever, the kind of the norm, then yeah, he has a very compelling case. But if he just steps out on the field, does the old, you know, ceremonial play and calls it good, then no, that's that's not comeback player of the year. It doesn't mean it's not an amazing story, but he doesn't he's not worthy of the award over somebody who comes out and plays and performs. It's it's for what you do on the field, 
not just stepping onto the field. Yeah. Now the other part of that was interesting conversation we had is you know because I was you know just kind of being a positive guy. You know, James, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a positive mm-hmm. guy. It's a great story. Jamal Murray, very deserving at the ESPYS this week, comeback player of the year, absolutely. And my immediate response is, yeah, we're going to run it back, not Bruce Brown style, but danger, danger, Russ, Russell Wilson. Now we're going to do this twice in a row for the city of Denver. Russell Wilson, we're going to run it back. He'll be the comeback player of the year next year, a la James Merlat, pin tweet style, right? And there's immediate pushback. Uh, Brandon Stokely, uh, DMAC saying, well, you don't get comeback player of the year just for sucking and then being good again, do you? Well, that's not the entire story. He also was injured. He missed, you know, some games with um, with multiple things. He had the labrum injury, he had the hamstring injury, he had the concussion. You know, I mean, you can chalk that up to the normal bumps and bruises that come with playing football, but it's not as though he was completely unscathed and played 17 games and wasn't injured at all. So, yeah, I think you can come. You don't have to be Adrian Peterson coming back from an ACL to win it. Now, would Javante Williams, if he comes back and he starts week one and he rushes for 1,400 yards, be more worthy of it? Yeah, because he's actually coming back from uh, a major injury. But it's a nebulous award, right? It's a little bit like most valuable player. But what, what constitutes valuable? Are you the, the best player? Are you the guy that if you took him off your team, they would have the biggest drop-off, which is completely impossible and arbitrary to, um, to judge? So, you know, I think if Russell Wilson comes back and he's back to being Russ, that would be a comeback. I mean, it's that, that's kind of the definition of, of coming back from, you know, you were a star, then everybody said you're cooked, and now you come back and you are a star. You, that's a comeback. So he is going to be uh, he's going to be in the running for it. He's going to have a great year. And, Dan, have you watched any of the Netflix series Quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota? I have not, but Matt Smith and DMAC, this is DMAC's favorite show of all time. I am going to start watching it. It sounds fascinating. I mean, a lot of it sounds like stuff I already kind of have an appreciation for. But, yeah, go ahead. Tell us about it. So, it's great. I'm not finished with it. I'm three episodes in. And um, it's, you know, behind the scenes, the access that you get to these guys, you know, in the in the facility, on the field, mic'd up, away from the game. It's pretty incredible. But, and I'm working on this for my column at denversports.com on Monday, it just pinpoints how unbelievably unfair everybody has been in Denver to Russell Wilson with the, oh, he's got his quarterback's coach and his private chef and all the rest of this. All these guys do. All these guys do. Patrick Mahomes has his own personal trainer, his own quarterback's coach. Marcus Mariota hired a kid he met in fifth grade to be his personal chef. You know, Kirk Cousins goes to all these chiropractors and, and, and guys to give him body treatments during his off days away from the facilities. None of them just do everything that the medical staff of the team says and only get, you know, they only work out with the team trainers and only get coaching from the team coaches. None of them do. And people just, you know, killed Russell Wilson for that, of all the things he did and how he, you know, uh, he was out of line to and that kind of stuff. It's like, well, all the people saying that don't know what they're talking about. Because that's what everybody does. That's so, the norm. So I have not. Was doing exactly what everybody else does. So everybody, everybody else was on there with a charity that apparently is op- operating outside the normals. Uh, that's a completely different conversation. That's not Jay Keeps. That's not the chef. That's not the, the you know the the training that he does. That's not all those kind of things. Oh, that's, that's something different. different. That's, oh, okay, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's a, that's away from the field. That's like talking about his his personal life. Like that that that's you know that's a different deal. I'm talking about the criticism he took from a football standpoint from from working with people that weren't within the Broncos organization. 
was completely out of line, and it was it was a hot take from people who don't know what in the world they're talking about. Well, that's only hot. But we've by the way, we talked about it this week. When you set it up like that, the, that's partially fair, but it was the cringy behavior was what really got Russ in trouble. It's not that he had well, well, that's it. That's nebulous. Was, What's cringy to you isn't cringy to somebody else. So now we're talking about, well, we don't like his personality. He's a dork. He's not very cool. He's kind of clumsy. It's like, okay, well, that seems like a little bit dangerous territory of, you know, in, in the show, Kirk Cousins is very much, you know, dad bod, dad joke, you know, kind of square guy. So what? I mean, he also is tough as nails and he works his butt off and he does everything he can to be prepared to play on <clears throat> on Sundays and to make the most of his abilities. I truly think that's what Russell Wilson was trying to do. Now, it didn't work out. He's got to tweak his system and he's got to, you know, adjust what he did primarily in terms of, you know, his, his weight and his body and all the rest of that. But the criticism he took for it, and now it's turned into, well, it's because it's cringy. Yeah, okay, it's cringy well, you find taste. it cringy, but that's a, that's, yeah. a you, that's a you problem. That's not a Russell Wilson well, it's problem. Well, it's not a me problem because it's an everybody, every, it's a seemingly, collectively, most people, the majority of people said, agreed. It's like Broncos fans, mm. if you think it's a Broncos fan problem, well, then that's between James Merrillat and Broncos fans, I guess, because then it's I also, think, by the way, his I... teammates, his colleagues, also, because they're making fun of him, right? It's not like, oh, one or two people are like, oh, Russ is cringy. It, it seems like it was a problem for Russ, and if you believe Ryan Leaf, he, Russ, realized it. It's like if everybody, you know, not everybody, but, you know, it, in general, it's a major problem for Russ, then it's not a you problem, it's a Russ problem. Well, you know, Justin Tucker criticized him and made fun of him. I get it. And he was the butt of jokes. Or, you and Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman and the list goes on and shows. on. Sure. And his jealous ex-teammates, sure, who were waiting for him to fall and pounced on the opportunity. As soon as somebody has a tough moment, you pounce on him if you're Richard Sherman. That tells you more about Richard Sherman than it does about Russell Wilson. But Richard Sherman, you know, hey, how many – how many Super Bowls would Richard Sherman have if he didn't play with Russell Wilson? How many would Russell Wilson have if he didn't play with Richard Sherman? I think Russell Wilson took the high road in that situation and acted with class. I think some of his ex-teammates didn't. But we never heard his current teammates say anything negative about it. In fact, when they came out and defended him, we had people mocking that Russell Wilson forced his teammates to come out and defend him, which is there was no evidence of that. Like, the guy couldn't win. So we're going to be critical of Paxton Lynch for – not putting in enough time, not putting in enough effort, caring too much about Xbox. And we're also going to be critical of Russell Wilson when he's the opposite. It's like, well, at some point, you're just the people that nobody nobody can make you happy. You just want to gripe and complain. And listen, winning cures all. If they would have won last year, everybody would have said the things he was doing were, was the best thing in the world. I just think the guy gets criticized for things he doesn't deserve to be criticized for and doesn't get credit for any of the things he does. Like how many of the Broncos quarterbacks that have come through this town spent an hour Every day after training camp, an hour signing autographs with the fans. Normally, fan autograph time is six guys you've never heard of, but you got to look at your your roster to figure out who the heck is that guy. One player you've heard of, and everybody else sprints into the locker room. And Russell Wilson, every single day at training camp, every day, didn't miss a one, was down there signing autographs for an hour after practice. So we're going to be critical of him of things. And listen, there were plenty of things to be critical of him for, but... Does he have to tell us all about his high knees on the plane? No, he doesn't. But if we're going to be critical of him, we need to give praise for the things he does that are unlike what other athletes do, and I don't think we do it. I think we just pick and choose, and everybody takes pot shots at the guy, 
and everybody's going to have egg on their face. And I may, I may bring it up, Dan. I may bring it up <laughs> when, all, when all you, you guys might. are proven wrong. Well, well, here's where I'm not going to be proven. Where I'm going to be proven right is, and here's why I agree with you. Like the weight thing. Like, do you honestly believe that Russell Wilson was fat and out of shape, James? I do. You think he was fat and out of shape? I don't think he was. You out don't of think shape. he worked think hard, he or heavy. do you think? I think he was well, but heavy. that's different. He was. But, but that was a part of his strategy for last year. Correct. Now, maybe is he optimizing? Strategy. Is he tweaking? That's fine, but he wasn't because he was fat and slow and out of shape and this and that. Now, is he going to try and do something differently? Maybe, but I think it was incredibly unfair to ding him and then say, well, the narrative is that he was fat and out of shape, and it, it, it probably because he was living some rock star lifestyle with Sierra. Not true. Like, he worked incredibly hard. He worked very hard, and he, maybe he just miscalculated, or maybe it was a confluence of a million things like you were talking about. Bad coaching, bad decisions, bad offensive line, a bad roster, a bad organization, bad decisions on his part, a natural decline on his part. Maybe it was all of that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But listen, fat and out of shape I think is unfair. Do I think he was too heavy? Yeah. And Von Miller made the same mistake, I don't know, back in 2014 or whatever when he came back from the knee injury. And it was, hey, put on 15 pounds of muscle. And I was like, well, why? His, his superpower was the fact that he was the quickest guy on the field and he could do that lean around the corner and get to the quarterback in a, in a way that most people aren't just built to do it. Why go with size and power? Why go? I mean, he wasn't the same player when he was heavier. He gets back down to his normal weight in 2015. He's a great player and he wins Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with thinking you need to adjust something. The, the, the sin of it would be if in the face of evidence that that was the wrong path, you stubbornly stayed on it. And at least Russell Wilson is getting off of that path right. and realized, hey, I'm not good at this weight. I'm going to go back to what I was good at. So right. Well, yeah, I, credit for that. I agree with you. But the narrative is more and, and people are having fun of him and they're putting up pictures of him versus his draft workout versus now kind of like dad bod saying it's not dad bod. OK, by the way. Whoever was saying that, uh, take off your shirt and go, and I would have dared you to go take off, uh, uh, take a picture of Russell Wilson, R- Russell Wilson with his shirt off not last year. Russell Wilson did not, was not dad bod and fat and this and that. And I think it was, uh, I think that was unfair to Russell Wilson. Maybe Russell Wilson said, "Yeah, you know, this offensive line's not very good. I'm probably going to take some hits, and I need a little more uh, oomph or a little more uh, something on me to absorb some hits." But I think it's unfair to him that people were calling, making fun of him, saying dad bod and this and that, and that he didn't work hard because he did. He always works well, hard, the, and we agree on that. I, I would agree with you. I do think it's all relative, right? Like, yes. You know, dad bod in the NFL? Yeah, probably. He, just, <laughs> he right. doesn't look like DK Metcalf. We'll put it that way. No, 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 of course not. No, no. All right, James, you out there coaching? What are you doing? Uh, no, I'm just observing uh, this weekend. So my, my son will be a senior at the academy. They run a uh, a great uh, high school football camp up here at, uh, up at Western. So you know, I I brought four of the kids from the team and their stuff up. You know, to, you got to take the caravan to get the team up here. So once I'm here, I'm just going to hang out. I go over and watch the little scrimmages that they have. I get to talk to you and you know get some work done. It's great. It's a great setting. Beautiful little town. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it as always. Next week, we'll talk to you again. All right, Dan. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's James Marillat from DenverSports.com. Your chance to react to him coming up next. He wanted a comfortable, I wanted that Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.
Oh man, this is embarrassing. You know what was going through my head, Sydney? I said, Oh, uh, you know what? You know how Sydney's working? She's she's playing some annoying music that she's just trying to put me in a bad mood. And then that thing runs, and then it's Taylor Swift, isn't it? This is Taylor Swift, isn't it? I didn't know Taylor Swift made bad music. Too. She does both, right? She does good music and bad music. That's hey, awesome. They can't all be hits. Yeah, they can't all be hits, right? Dante Gomez wheeled your way in here. How are you? How you feeling? Oh, I'm doing okay. With the old Dan Marino injury. Did he tear his Achilles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan missed- Marino and Kevin Durant. I think he, if I remember correctly, he missed an entire year and then came back and like his first game back, he threw for like 500 some yards and like six touchdowns. If I remember right. Something to aspire to. I think I could do the same thing when I come back from my injury. Mm-hmm. I remember you were talking about, you're like, I'm a great basketball player, um, just really slow and can't jump. Yeah, no, that pretty much sums it up. Um, really good at the other stuff, though, like shooting and yeah. um, passing. And you said you couldn't play defense, too. I can play defense. I'm just not the most quick person. Right, exactly. I use my length. Yeah. Why is it length in basketball, by the way, in sports? Um, because your ability to take up space. No, and- I meant the way it's pronounced. Oh, length? Yeah, but whenever the people say it when they're talking about sports, it's always length. But that, oh, that reminds me just a random yeah. thought. So you want to get in on this um, comeback player of the year conversation? Yeah, you and James were talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, I said, are you rooting for Russell Wilson to win comeback player of the year? <laughs> I, I don't know if I've taken a position on this yet. Well, is there anyone else would you be maybe rooting for or not? I don't know yet. It's early. Oh. You know, it's one of those things like as the story develops. Okay. Well, there's a pretty developed story that you could be rooting for as well. Which is who? Uh, Tamar Hamlin? I don't know if you've heard of him. Did you not just hear us the whole last segment? No. That was what the... Con- th- this is what you came in here to get me with? No. Well, I, I was hoping that okay, you were so going to say right, Okay, all right. All right let's, let's, let's take you behind the curtain, guys. Everybody listening. Dante Gomez thought 100% he got me. Right? He was going to... Why, he, was, he wheeled himself in here with his scooter, his knee scooter. He was all riled up. He's like... And they're all talking about Dante thinks he's got Dan Jacobs. He has an absolutely uh, something that that Dan can't wiggle his way out of. He's got me in a checkmate position. And this is it. Was that yeah, it comeback was. player of the year. You be rooting for us. And that uh, because I'm talking about Russell Wilson for comeback player of the year. That was the conversation we had. I didn't hear DeMar Hamlin. It was DeMar James. Hamlin. That was what I asked uh. James. Can because DMAX said DeMar Hamlin wins no matter what, even if he doesn't play it down. That was actually my question to James was, can you win comeback player of the year without even playing a snap? Gotcha. Okay. I was in the middle of doing my, uh, so my you job. So you didn't listen. So and I didn't thought you got me. Oh, your I job. did. Yeah. Your well, job, like, for example, not playing the music I want to start the show. That wasn't me. That was Sydney. You were running the board. I, Sydney was the producer of your show. So um, let me ask you this. Yeah, I was going to. Since you brought it up, since you weren't listening, but you brought it up anyway, can you win comeback player of the year if you don't play? I don't know. I was actually what I like the direct quote. What I said was in there. I said, if he plays one snap, he'll win the award. Um, So you think so? But I didn't actually hear that you were saying this too. I think if he plays one snap, yeah, I think it'd be hard to argue somebody else. Right. And so you're one of those guys uh, don't keep score during soccer games because it could hurt people's feelings. Right, that's probably a good policy. Also, um, at the end of the season, everybody should get a trophy. No championships, but um, everybody should get a trophy. You know, things like that. It's probably good because you know we don't want to we don't want to hurt people's feelings. You know, it's just everybody should feel good about themselves, and that's you know, you're one of those guys. No, no, not at all. Actually, I'm quite the opposite. Um, but just here, I'll give you two players. Player A is coming back from just playing really bad football. 
mm-hmm. and then player B is coming back from dying. Which one do you think <laughs> deserves the award? Was more? he go- did he actually play and was he the best? No, that wasn't part of the player A and B. It was just yeah. one one one's coming back from death and one's coming back yeah. from just so, so making a lot of money and getting criticized a lot. Okay. So one didn't die. That's that's Correct. his that's one, his that's his sole accomplishment is not dying. And the other one is came back from adversity and became the best, one of the best to do it. Um that's what you're talking about. Well, no, one came back from death. Again, so right, that's was, his sole accomplishment is somebody saved his life. He didn't die. Correct. He did not die. He came back from death. He right. died and then came back. Right. Well, right. And like then the people, other player, I, I, you know, you know, three hundred three law forty forty. We we help people in car, you know, car accidents. Right. Like happens every day. Like people get saved. Like happens. Like it's unfortunate. Happens. We're not giving them NFL comeback player of the year if they don't come back and do something. I think it's a bad take, Dan. I don't know if you want to be on this side. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm here. Like, like it's remarkable. It's a great story. Nobody's saying we don't. Everybody loves Devar Hamlin. Demar. What you, or, yeah, Demar Hamlin. Like, what you are trying to do, though, is you're trying to get in this, this situation where um, uh, politically correctness. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to be Captain PC where you can't have an opinion unless you believe with the flower-toting um, – uh, PC people. No, like, like not- merit. Merit is no consideration because you're going to hurt people's feelings by being honest. So that's that's what you're talking about. No. The award is not a everybody gets a ribbon award. It's supposed to be if you come back from adversity and do something exceptional. And it's not oh you just didn't die and then you know you stepped onto the field. That's that's a different award. That like you don't think Demar Hamlin's going to get. Like, all sorts of recognition for that? You don't think that's going to happen? No, he You don't should. think he already has? You don't think he just got SBs and all that stuff? Like, he's going to get so many roses thrown at him. Does he get that comeback player of the year, too, if he's not any good? No, I'm talking about more. You're talking about all this adversity. Is there any bigger adversity than dying? I think that might be the biggest adversity you can come back from. I think he deserves the award just for what And you know what his reward we'll is? You know what his reward is? What's that? Life! He gets to live <laughs> like he's alive. And then going along with your everyone gets trophies, I will, you know what, I'll say this statement. If anybody else dies and comes back on the football field, they can also win comeback player of the year. If they what? If they also die and come back on the football <laughs> field, then they're also allowed to win comeback player of the year. So okay. not everybody, but in okay, if you come so, back from death, yes. Okay, counts. so the new, the new criteria for uh, comeback player of the year is first, uh, we're taking merit. Merit is not the first consideration. Like, performance is not the first consideration. First consideration is, you know, severity of your injury. And then second is your level of play after an injury. Like, injury is the primary concern in comeback player of the year. Second is a play on the field. Well, I mean, for the most part, players win it from injury. Like, they, you know, tear their ACL and they come back the following season and, you know, do really well. I'm pretty sure that's most cases of comeback player of the year. Yeah, most of the time. Not all the time. No, not all of it. I would say most... I'm going to put a number like 80% of the time it's coming back from injury, like a major, right. major injury. And that's I think generally this the most impressive. The most major injury to come back from. I don't know if that's debatable. I don't know if anyone else has died on the field and come no, back. No, I agree. Nobody's saying it's not impressive, but if he just, if he just, you know, dips his toe on the field or just happens to come back and become a run of the mill player, it's a. it's a very noteworthy thing. It's not something to be diminished, but it doesn't make you the. 
the premier comeback player of the – maybe it is. I'm not saying it's not. It depends on how well he does. It's not just, oh, he came back, therefore he's the comeback player of the year. Maybe he is. I don't know. But if he comes back and he stinks, if he comes back and gets cut in week six, is he the comeback player of the year? Yeah, I think he's the comeback player regardless. Like, if he comes back and is so bad they have to get rid of him, is he the comeback player of the year? Yes. I think there's no greater adversity – advert that word um, – to come back from. But did you even come back if you got cut? If he plays one snap, then that okay. would be considered coming back. I don't and know. Then, and then, then I say that's a participation trophy. That's a participation ribbon. And you've taken the most premier award of that type for that for that accomplishment, and you've turned it into a, a, a participation ribbon. I guess. Also something interesting on here, the, the odds for comeback player of the year. So it's Jamar Hamlin's heavy favorite. And then Russell Wilson's actually tied for second. Really? That is interesting. I Everyone else on here has, like, legitimate reasons for comeback player of the year, except for Russell Wilson. He just, like, stunk at football. Everyone else, it's Tua, who had, you know, the concussions. Brees Hall, who had that major injury. Cooper Cup, who didn't really, you know, I think he got injured last year, too. And I think it's unfair to just say that he stunk. Um, that's, not, that's not accurate. There are a lot of factors that went into Russell Wilson. Part of it is he wasn't good. Part of it was he was injured, too. He had concussions. He had a lingering, was it a hamstring or whatever? Like, he had some legitimate lingering injuries. He also had a football coach that was historically bad that got fired, which almost never happens. They had to fire the first-year head football coach before the season ended. Like, there were so many things that that went into his bad season. It wasn't just on him. I'm not giving him a pass. So if he were to come back and get to... A ridiculously high level of play, I think it merits consideration. So you're arguing that he's coming back from bad coaching then? He's coming back from a lot of adversity. And so if he came back and became an MVP candidate, then yeah, I think he's absolutely worthy of consideration. I get I don't know. I think it's hard to find a now a it, slant for him. Now if, if if he well, Tommy Maddox was bad. He was selling insurance bad. Like out of the league because he couldn't play bad, came back. And I think it was fifteen and one or fourteen and one. Yeah, but he was out of the league B- because he was what bad. He bad. didn't like break his knee or break his leg and bad. He was just not good enough to be in the league. Tom Flutie was bad, right? Had to go play in a minor league and came back and won NFL comeback player of the year simply because he was bad, not because he had concussions and a bad coach. He just wasn't good enough. Like, but it happens. Like, so I don't think there's any reason now if Demar De- uh, Hamlin comes back. And starts every game and is plays at a high level, even even if it's not an MVP level. And Russell Wilson comes back and is not an MVP candidate. It's Hamlin, absolutely, absolutely. No, no you know, probably not even close consideration. So, how would you quantify? Demar Hamlin has to play every game for him to win the award. Not every game, but he has to be a real. He has to play at a high level. If he makes fifty tackles this season, well, I, I'm not going to quantify. I'm not going to go that. Can't deep. put a quote. Okay, yeah, you, you got to see. You know, you know it when you see. I test. Yeah, it's eye test. Well, my eye test says that coming back from death is the most adversity you can come back from. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he, you know what he got for it? An SB or whatever. You know, like he's going to get every, he's, get, he's getting all sorts of recognition for it. Like, what do you give him? Like, then why can't I don't know, just, like, should he win the presidential election too? Welcome to the state, dun, dun, da, 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 President Tamar Hamlin. Like, what, what, is he going to be the president? I mean, tonight at Taylor Swift uh, Pepsi Center, instead of singing for you, for you tonight, Taylor Swift is not singing her songs. It's Tamara Hamlin because he almost died. Like, like, what does he get because of it? Like, he's get, he's already getting 
all sorts of recognition, man. Yeah, so why not just give him one more award for recognition of it? Yeah, why don't, that's where you draw the line. The, the sacred comeback player of the year. That's too. He that's has too to far. earn it. It's a. It's 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 something you earn. Not dying is it does not mean you get the award. You know, being alive is not the criteria for the award, right? Like you come back and then you earn the award. Just you know, like 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 Dmx basically saying no, he's on the team, therefore he wins it. He didn't have to play. Like no, you don't give it to somebody that doesn't play. And you don't give it to somebody that doesn't play at a high level. You got to win the award. It's an award for being the best. Comeback player, not being a comeback player, not being a comeback player that's not dead, a comeback player that has played well enough, the best at it, to win the award. I yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking of it as like the you know peak and valley here. I think his valley is so low Fluty, of what way. he's coming back from that it doesn't matter what the the ceiling is. By the way, somebody says Tom Flutie. I think Tom Flutie is his brother, but it's Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie. Thank you for uh, Flutie correcting Flicks. Me. Yeah, Flutie Flicks. All right, coming up next, a very, very fascinating um, thing is going to happen next weekend in the world of golf here in Colorado. I got my friend Kevin Laura going to come up discuss it next.